Well, we're uh, having so much um, fun tonight, and so I hate to bring the energy down, but uh, I feel the need to confess something. Um, I hate that you all have to hear this, but we're all here. Um, I have something of a past that I don't like to talk about, um, but when I was seven years old, I ran away from home. Now, you think to yourself, why? Why would someone do something like that? But um, like many modern-day refugees, um, I, was, uh, I was fleeing a tyrannical dictatorship. <laughs> now, um, tyranny comes in many forms, um, political oppression, uh, religious oppression, economic oppression, um, mothers that don't let their children get up from the table until they've eaten that one green bean. Um, that was mine. Uh, see, I absolutely, absolutely do not like green beans. Okay? And I know some of you in here, you plant them. Thank you. Some of you plant them, you grow them, and, uh, and you might be a little offended by that, but I just, I don't. I, I don't like green beans. And, um, and, and some people, you know, they say, well, maybe you didn't like them when you were a kid. Like, have you tried them lately as an adult with your, you know, more seasoned taste buds? I have. They're still slimy and they still taste like the ground. <laughs> I don't like them. Um, and, and then some people say, well, you, you haven't tried my green beans. See, I have this special recipe. I, um, I, 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 I fried them in oil. I, I cut up bacon and put bacon in there and, 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 and little uh, crispy onion straws. I say, take out the green beans and you got something there. <laughs> I just don't like green beans. I don't like them on a box. I don't like them with a the fox. I don't like them here or there. I don't like them anywhere. Okay? Um, so my, uh, my mother was forcing me to eat this one green bean before I could get up from the table. And I, I was sitting there, and I, I felt like giving in, but I knew that this was about something greater than myself. It was about a principle. Freedom from tyranny. Justice. No child being forced to eat a green bean if they don't want to. Right? And so, like like Gandhi, uh, during his hunger strike, I, I was there representing everybody, all the children around the world, and I refused. Well, the standoff lasted for a little while, and finally I did what all oppressed people do when they've been under the thumb too long. I stood up, I asserted my rights, and I said, bye, I'm out of here forever. I'm running away from home. And I marched out the front door, and it slammed behind me. And I never looked back. Have you ever run away from home before? Maybe not like that. Maybe not like actually as a child. But uh, have you ever run away from God before? I think a lot of us have it one time or another in our life. We found ourselves running away from God. We found ourselves letting the door slam behind us and going somewhere else. And so if that's you, if you've ever experienced that, 
And I've got a book for you. It's the book of Jonah. And we're going to start uh, reading it together. We're, over the course of these next three nights, we're going to read the whole thing. But today we're going to read about Jonah running away from home. So if you've got a Bible handy, uh, we're turning to the book of Jonah, the first chapter. And we're just going to kind of stay there for a little bit. All right, we'll kind of dip in and out of Jonah. Hear now the word of our Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for a port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Amen. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to pause there for just a second. God tells Jonah to go to uh, the town of Nineveh and to go proclaim judgment to the Ninevites. And Jonah doesn't want to do it. Everything in him doesn't want to do it. And you might ask yourself, why? Why wouldn't Jonah want to go to Nineveh and proclaim them judgment? Now, a lot of people talk about it like, like, you know, um, Jonah's just a big old racist and he hates the Ninevites. And um, all Hebrew people hated Ninevites and so he didn't want to go and he didn't want to warn them and he didn't want to have anything to do with them. But we have to understand about the Ninevites is Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrian Empire at that time was the biggest, most cruel empire on the face of the earth. The Assyrian Empire was known for, uh, for taking over countries and deporting all of their people. They were known for, uh, for uh, laying siege on cities and, uh, and blockading those cities so no one could get in or out and starving the people until they would finally attack. The, uh, the Assyrians um, were not good people. And what made it worse is that they had a technological advantage over all of their neighbors. See, the Assyrians were the first people to crack the code on iron. While everyone else was still using bronze weapons, the Assyrians were using iron weapons, which were stronger, they could break the other weapons, and they could produce more of it faster. And so the Assyrians could basically go wherever they wanted and take over whatever they wanted. Now the city of Nineveh in the center of the Assyrian Empire was, was surrounded by two walls, right? It, it was doubly protected. And, and it was guarded by the largest standing army in the known world at that time. One does not simply walk into Nineveh, right? And so Jonah would have been scared. It, it would have been like being, you know, a, 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 a young boy on Tatooine told to uh, go to the Death Star, right? And tell uh, Darth Vader that the whole thing's going to blow up in a couple of days, right? It's that kind of thing. It, penetrating this armored city and telling them it's going to be destroyed. There is a definite element of danger there. 
So Jonah doesn't want anything to do with it. So he goes to this port town called Joppa. All right? And, uh, and what you need to know about Joppa is Nineveh is this way. And the place where he decides to go, Tarshish, is that way. Right? Jonah's supposed to go that way where God's telling him to go. And uh, he's decided to go in the exact opposite direction to get as far from God as possible. See, I can relate. That's what I did when I was seven years old. The door slammed behind me. I went into my yard and I tried to get as far away as I could as possible. There was only one problem. Um, I didn't have anyone to hold my hand as I crossed the street. So I was somewhat landlocked. Um, so I had to uh, find a place somewhere in my yard that would do. And so as I began looking around in my yard where I was going to live for the rest of my life, um, I found a treehouse. Um, now, treehouse is charitable. All right? What it was was a couple of planks of wood that my dad had nailed um, to the top of this tree to make a little base and um, the old ladder from uh, my brother and I's bunk bed. Um, that would lead up to these planks of wood. Like, don't picture like an Ewok village up there. It's just, just a, a nice plank of wood. But I went up there and, and it was good enough for me and I was going to live out my days there because I wanted to get as far away as possible. And that was as far as I could get. Because when you run away, what you really want is to be alone, just to be left alone. And so I was just sitting there up in my treehouse alone. And that's all Jonah wants, is to be left alone. For, for these voices to stop speaking in his head, telling him where to go, what to do, he just wants to be left alone. Let's continue uh, with verse 4. God doesn't leave Jonah alone. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to one another, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? So Jonah just wants to be by himself. So he, he pays for his ticket, he gets on this ship, and then he just, uh, he just goes down into the ship to sleep. No one bother me. I just want to be alone. And as Jonah's sleeping, there's all kinds of commotion going on uh, up above, right? And, um, and there's this violent storm, and, and it says that uh, the that, that ship was threatening to break up. Imagine that. All the timbers are creaking, um, the, 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 everything's filling up with water. And these sailors, sailors, don't know what to do. 
They've tried everything. I guess they've, they've heaved and hoed and um, reported to the starboard, starboard bow and all that stuff, right? They've tried everything. And so now they're just praying. They're each praying to their own God. Oh, Chemosh, deliver us. Oh, Baal, protect us. Oh, Oprah, free us, right? They're just, uh, they're calling out to their gods and none of it's working. And so they, they, uh, they start um, uh, uh, dumping the cargo overboard. Now, what you and I think is, is that they're lightening the ship. But the Hebrew here uh, uses the same word as like a sacrifice. See, they're, they're hurling every they can fi- everything they can find overboard in an attempt to appease the gods, right? Like, uh, Neptune, take this vase, right? Um, Poseidon, here's a dresser drawer, right? They're just trying everything they can do to get the gods to stop this storm. And nothing's working. So they try something that ancient people used to do. They cast lots. And what that basically is, is rolling a dice. And whatever person the die lands on, right? They believe that 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 was the gods communicating to them that this person uh, was responsible for the storm. Ancient people used to do that all the time, cast lots. I have some friends uh, that used to do something kind of like that. Uh, They would, uh, it it, it was my friend and his girlfriend, they would be in the car and they couldn't agree on where they were going to eat. So they had this list and they would roll these dice and wherever the dice fell is, you know, on the list where they would eat. It's the same kind of thing, right? Dungeons and Dragons, but in real life, right? They're on that ship, they're rolling dice and you can criticize, you can say, well, that's bad, like, you know, they shouldn't do that. But thing is, it works, right? The, the dice totally nailed Jonah. He's the one responsible for this storm. So they go down, they confront him, right? They're, 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 um, they're interviewing him. Who are you? Where are you from? What are your people? And here's Jonah's response. Verse 9. He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. He answers, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. See, Jonah knows who God is. Jonah knows what God can do. Jonah knows that God created the land and the sea. Jonah knows that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Every good Hebrew child knows that. Jonah knows he can't get away from God. So Jonah would have known like any good Hebrew the words of Psalm 139. I tell the youth never to do this. Have your, uh, have your uh, scripture readings all ready to go. 
don't be looking around for it, but here I am. So Jonah would have known um, the words to Psalm 139. It goes like this. You've heard it too. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I, might, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Jonah knows that. Jonah knows there's nothing he can do to get away from God, and yet he runs anyway. Why? Well, why do I? Why do you? We know we can't get away from God, and yet we run anyway, constantly, trying to flee that voice that's telling us what we're supposed to be doing, trying to flee that call that's that's telling us where we're supposed to be going. We know we can't get away from that, and yet we try anyway. So here's what happens next. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault and that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. See, Jonah is not confused about God's power. Jonah is confused about God's purpose. Here's what I mean. What Jonah thinks this storm is all about, Jonah thinks God wants him dead. Jonah thinks he's crossed this line, that that, that he's fled, that, that he's been disobedient, and this whole storm thing is about God wants him dead. It's God's wrath, God's judgment. To, to, to Jonah, God is this, this bloodthirsty, vengeful person, right? And if you just throw me into the sea and let me die, then God will be satisfied, right? Jonah is not confused about God's power. He's confused about God's purpose and about God's goodness. He thinks God wants him dead. He thinks God is out for his blood. See, Whether you hear those words, Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You know where I lie and when I rise. Whether you hear those words as good news or bad news depends on who you think God is, right? 
many of us think of God like we think of um, like uh, Roz and Monsters, Inc. You know, that, uh, that old slug lady that says, I'm watching, Wazowski, always watching, right? And that's God to us. He's watching, always watching, right? And so we hear that, you know, when I rise and when I lie, and, and, and that's not good news to us. Because in our mind, God is this nosy bookkeeper that's writing down all of our mistakes and he, he, he can't wait to hold them against us someday. Right? See, we, we know God's power and we get away from him. We try to get away from him because we doubt his goodness. We doubt his purpose. We doubt what he is all about. You might say, well, Jonah was right, wasn't he? Threw him into the sea. The storm stopped. The, the, the sailors threw a party right there on the boat. They offered sacrifices there on a boat. I don't know how that works, but they did it. So you might say, it worked. Jonah was right about God. God wanted Jonah dead, right? Except there's one more sentence. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The Lord provided a fish. God's plan all along was to provide. God's plan all along was to rescue, to save. Right? He's trying to get Jonah's attention. He's trying to get Jonah turned around. But his plan all along is to rescue, to save. Right? This is not a God of violence and vengeance. This is a God of grace and love. His plan all along is to rescue, to save. So I'm sitting up in that treehouse and... It starts to get dark, right? The first the sky is like blue, then it's dark blue, then it's black. And there are all these uh, cricket sounds and like twigs snapping out in the distance, shadows that I don't know what they belong to. I'm starting to get scared. And then the back porch light comes on. My mom steps out. And she just calls out into the void, right? Danny, I know you've run away forever, but I'm leaving the light on for you in case you decide to come home, right? And then the door shut. So I had some thinking to do. It's getting really scary out there. It was getting chilly, right? And I looked at that light. I knew what I had to do. So I walked toward the light. I uh, walked through that, uh, that kitchen, then into the dining room, past the table with the plate with the one green bean on it. <laughs> walked past that, and my mother was uh, sitting in the living room by the lamp, reading a book. And then I sort of mm, announced my presence. My mom looked up from her book. She says, oh, Danny, I thought you'd gone away forever. I'm so glad you're back. 
I'm telling you, it's a little boy, seven or eight years old. I balled myself up. I got in her arms and I cried. And I said, I'm so, so sorry I ran away. I'm so, so sorry. I'll eat that green bean. I will. I promise. And my mom just held me, just rocked me back and forth. She said, shh, go to bed. We'll try again tomorrow. Shh, go to bed. We'll try again tomorrow. That, that is what God is like. God always provides the fish. God always leaves the light on. God is always ready to try again tomorrow. I promise. Over and over in the Bible, that's the picture of God we get. God is the good shepherd that leaves behind the 99 sheep to go off in search of the one. God's that, that, that little old lady that loses the coin and she turns up her, her whole house to find that one coin and when she finds it, she, she calls all of the neighbors and says, celebrate with me, I found this coin. God is that loving father who watches down the road every day to see that little boy come running back home. And when he does, when he sees him a long way off, He doesn't make him walk the whole way. He goes running. He scoops him up in his arms and and, and he's crying. And and he tells his servant, kill the fatted calf. Because my son was dead and now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. That is what God is like. Coming, it looks like a storm. Going, it looks like a fish. You know what I learned that day? As far as I'd run, (laughs) as far as I'd run, I never left my mom's backyard. I had never left the view of her window. As far as we run, we never leave God's backyard. You could get on a rocket ship and you could go to Jupiter and you would still be in God's backyard. He could still see you from his kitchen window and he still has the light on for you to come home. Now there's a lot more to talk about. Got to talk about repentance. Um, We've got to talk about Jonah did have to uh, eat that green bean eventually, right? Had to go to Nineveh and tell him everything he was supposed to tell him. There's a lot left to talk about. go to bed. We'll try again tomorrow. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.